When I die, I put my money in the grave. When I die, I put my money in the grave. I really gotta put a couple niggas in a place. Really just lapped every nigga in a race. I really might tap realest nigga on my face. Lil CC, let it slap with the bass. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Out the Huddle Podcast. It's Brett Romberg again, your host is with the mostest. And this time we got a beautiful, familiar guest that we have not seen yet this year. And that's my man, DJ Williams. Welcome back from your worldly journeys and escapades, my man. What's up? What's up, man? Good to Great hear your to voice. Back. Yeah, Great brother. I don't doubt it. a long it. time. I don't doubt it, man. You got so much going on. We got the, all the new Dime Life gear hitting the shelves over here. I, that's the one thing I told Antrell the other day. I said, my God, we got to go shopping over here. Go check it out. See all the new stuff you got, all the new lineups, the shorts, the shirts, the bathing suits, and then all the other stuff that accompany the University of Miami stuff. You got all kinds of stuff on the side, too. Like I told you, man, you guys uh, basically, I, 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 what is your deal? Your, I think your deal is like a 15-year deal. Uh, two to three free pieces of two, merch. A two month. items a month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trail's like, a lifer, bro. That's not like Reebok and Trail's Nike deal. Lifer, You're giving man. me the Nike deal where they don't like to give any money. I they just like early. to give merch. I got in early. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to you early. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, we're coming off a big bye week here in the University of Miami, and I don't want to spend too much time on the U because, uh, perfectly frank, they don't deserve it. To be dead honest, after, I agree. After that performance that they ended up putting up a couple weeks ago, but again. This is a massive rival. We're talking about Virginia Tech, the Hokies, right? This is somebody that back in 2000, we ended up whooping their ass when they were ranked number two. They came down to the OB. We ended up whooping on them 41-21. And then again, you got a regular season win streak that was broken, broken, I'm telling you, in 2003, which is uh, really pissing me off. That's the one that, that I worked my ass off to basically uphold and that's when they ended up breaking our home winning streak, regular season winning streak, you, which you were a part of. Yeah, I was actually – I was a part of that game. Uh, that's uh, that's Marcus Vick's little brother, right? Or, or yeah, Mike Vick's little brother. Oh, you know what? Here, here's some, some – a lot of people may not know this. That season we lost two games, right? We lost to Tennessee and we lost to Virginia Tech. Which years earlier we whooped Tennessee and we whooped Virginia Tech, which is kind of sad. But, but let me hit you with – Hit me with some facts because I don't want to turn this too negative. So, in that game versus Tennessee, we had 450-plus total yards of offense. Tennessee had So, what happened to you? Tennessee had 189. We lost that game 7-6. to six, So, right? what happened? Offense. Couldn't score. It was always like – Tennessee scored in the first half. They didn't cross the 50-yard line the whole second half. So, you're half. talking it's the same shit, same shit that's going on right all now right? With, with the Miami driving all exactly. the way down and not, not finishing it. Against Virginia Tech. Their quarterback, Marcus Vick, uh -huh. was one for 13 passing with one interception. They ran the ball 45 or 47 times for 140 total yards. They themselves, again, had under 170 total yards. We lost that game 30-something to like seven or six. And that was up there at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg. You had blocked punts. You had pick sixes. In those two games that we lost – we statistically went down from number five to, I believe, number two or number one as total defense. So, it seems like the problem hasn't been fixed. No, it, it really hasn't. So, I'll, I'll be honest with you. It is a team sport, but I don't, I don't, I don't claim those losses. Those aren't yours. I don't, man. That's an offensive no, loss. No, no. I, I wouldn't blame you, man. They had like, 150 total yards. I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't blame you. Like, that's, uh, that's the kind of stuff that you go to the sideline. And that's the stuff that, like, players nowadays don't like to talk about because they're afraid of hurting each other's feelings. But, uh, but I'll point the finger immediately. Yeah, you, you, you got to hold up your end of the bargain. Who was it that just came off the field 
or was it off the basketball court just recently said I did my job? Who No, it was, a, it was a football player in the NFL who came in after their game on Sunday and said, oh, I, I don't know, I, I did my job. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, I think he was a safety, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I can't remember which player it was, but but in the press conference, they were asking him about what happened and what happened during the game, and he's like, I don't know, I did my job. I'm not concerned, which was funny <laughs> as hell to me. Um, well, I don't want to focus too much on the past. Uh, but anyway, we ended up joining the ACC back in 2004 together, uh, Virginia Tech and the University of Miami. And it's been kind of, I don't know, I guess you could say it's pretty even matched up ever since then. Uh, we really haven't dominated this, this, this game that we've been playing against these guys for quite some time. Uh, VTech actually got embarrassed the other night against Duke. It was a Friday night game. I don't know how many people out there will end up watching it. They got their ass handed to them 45 to 10, and that was – that was a pretty embarrassing loss. But my favorite part about it was looking up on social media and seeing everybody talking about how much we are going to whoop Virginia Tech's ass because of what was going on with Duke. But I don't know if anybody saw the recipe of what Duke has been doing to us in the last few years as well. It's not like Duke's a pushover program. They've handed us a couple ass whoopings as well, more physical, more dominant, more precise than us, especially now with us. We are so goddamn undisciplined, and I think that that is one of our major, major Achilles heels to the point where in this whole bye week, our coaching staff had to check and find out what our team is really about. And going into like week four, week five of a collegiate season, almost basically half of your season is almost done with, and you're still trying to find out what your team is about. No, you definitely shouldn't uh, be trying to find the identity of your team. You can may put the reset, push the reset buttons on certain aspects of the team. This is what you always do during the bye week. You sell scout. You see what I'm saying? You try to uh, figure out what other opponents are seeing um, in you, in yourself. But now to go ahead and try to figure out your identity, hey, are we a ground and pound? Are we an air it out? Are we five wides? Is our defense this? You definitely shouldn't be trying to do that right now at this point in time. You should already have your identity, and you should really be just tweaking it a bit. You know what I really heard? That this is something that is going to either electrify the fan base of the University of Miami or make them go berserk. And what I mean by that is I heard from a little birdie that what's going on right now over at the University of Georgia is all Kirby and his staff. This is not Mark Rick's players. This is not Mark Rick's staff. This is not the, the, the coaching tree that Mark Rick ended up handing down. As a matter of fact, I was told directly by somebody on that Georgia coaching staff that it's taken 18 months to weed out what Mark Richt left behind there. And more importantly, in particular, the offensive line or the lack thereof, the oh, offensive oh, oh, line. Oh, so you're, 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 you're setting that up for us. So you're saying it's going to be an 18-month process. For oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's basically what I was told. That Wait, speaking of Georgia, I don't know if you saw on my social media or my story. I was jealous. Before last, I'm not going to lie to you. I was I'm jealous. I'm not going to listen. Um, Champ Bailey got inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. Um, he's a client of mine in a company called Player Culture, where we help athletes brand their likeness, monetize their likeness, blah, 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 blah. Talk about it later. Anyway, I go down there because he has an appearance. And when I tell you, and it hurts to say this, hands down, probably the best football experience I've ever been a part of pro and college. Yes. And you've been a part of some pretty amazing experiences in college. Yes. And, and I, and I know because I, I, I am a fan. So, you know, um, 
I'm from the outside looking in. Yeah. So I, I you're removed now. Everything. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're removed. You know, because when it's hey, we're playing for the national championship. I'm so involved in, you know, my job, my responsibilities. I don't get to see the total atmosphere. But so. at the same time, while you were playing for national championships, do you think that the fan base or former players of other institutions that would come back and see what was going on with us during the Orange Bowl years? Do you think that they might have had the same kind of concept where they were leaving the OB saying, wow, I've never been a part of that kind of yeah, experience? But but like I'm saying is, you know, I'm five, six years removed from NFL. And I've been to a handful of games, pro, college, high school, the whole nine. And when I tell you this experience was crazy, like the game started at eight o'clock at night. And you were wearing Miami Hurricane gear. Oh, you. on the sideline. Yeah. On the sideline. On, on the side. First of all, we're not even allowed on the sideline of our own Unless you're in the Hall of Fame at the University of Miami, and I believe is it that you're an All American as well, or is it just a Hall of Fame? Well, what I was told was you had or to be first a, round you had draft to be pick, a, or no, I was a first round pick. What I was told was you had to be in the University of Miami Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, or current player. And That's true. You're 100 correct. When you look correct. at my resume, you're 100 percent correct. That's exactly the rules. I'm lacking all three, so I can't get on the sideline. But let's continue talking about Georgia. But mind you, you're on Georgia's sideline wearing Miami Hurricane gear, and you can't even be on your own sideline. Drinking, drinking Raidergate with them boys. Drinking Gatorade with them. But listen, you know when you have big games, they were playing Notre Dame. Uh, mind you, you I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off anymore, yeah. but I'm embarrassed. That's embarrassing. The fact that DJ Williams, first-round draft pick, a guy that has provided the University of Miami with not only brand awareness – but provided thousands and thousands of fans throughout the country, not only a good time, but a goddamn shirt to wear to the venue. And you're not even allowed on the, and mind you, you paid into the university. It's not like you took your scholarship and bounced. You're continually paying into and paying back. That is correct. The that university is, of Miami listen, and still correct. not allowed on the sideline. And you've done your locker room donations. Correct. Like, like, what is it called again? I'm sorry, your, your foundation. The, the uh, is it? It's not DJ's Locker. What's it called? Oh, Home Team Closet. Home Team Closet, where you bring in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of apparel items, garments, shoes, shorts, you name it, and you're donating that to charities at the University of Miami. But but you're not allowed on the sideline. But, but I, I believe that was the rules of the old regime. So maybe we can get that changed. Hopefully are you we, are you going to reach out to try to get a change, or should they should they change. not? Because it seems like the same people that are there are the same ones that are probably making the phone call saying, "Ah, uh, you probably can't be on the sideline still." The same people that are in those positions are still there. You know what? So I think I, it might I, be on I, them I, to call you and I, say, "You know I, what? We'd love to have you back." I'll on relax the and let it happen when it happens. But hold on to continue. With yeah, this, let's go back to your story. With this I'm sorry. I just so when you're playing when you're playing these large games, of course, what do you do? You bring in all your top recruits. Mm -hmm. I bullshit you not. When I was on that sideline, I looked in the eyes and I saw at least 10 to 15 guys that were at Paradise Camp. At the University of Miami yes. Paradise Camp this summer. Yes. You saw 10 to 15 kids. Yes. That want to commit to Miami. Yes. And I always thought as a father, if I had a son, that's not even discussion. He goes to UM. Yeah, yeah. That's just what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After being a part of that environment, and that experience, I now have a better understanding of why fathers choose to not let their kids follow their alma mater. 
when you're at a place like that, when you're at that type of experience, and when I say the whole town was involved, the whole town was involved. It was involved. like goddamn Lambo. Eight o'clock game at night, they're tailgating at, at eight o'clock in the morning. Some people had told me they pulled up their RVs on Thursday. And it just seemed like it was one unit moving together. When I say, I mean, to me, it almost felt like, the, I almost felt like the rest was in on it too. Because as I'm on the sideline. They're eating barbecue on the side. No, no. But I'm saying, I'm used to being on the side. Hey, get back. Get back in the box. This thing was free flowing. Like, I could have been like two yards on the field. And it, it, it was just a dip. It was. Total different vibe. They were very lax. And it was a total different vibe. And is it also because do you think this because the University of Miami has been under so much ridicule and scrutiny and NCAA that, investigations I mean, that we that, can't even fart without anybody finding out? That's always an issue with us. And I, I always got to remember that and understand that, you know, whenever we do something, the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth is death penalty. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's recruiting, whether it's getting guys on the sideline, whatever it is, even with things that I got to do with Dime Life, like. You know, I got to go back and forth with the, the company Fermata. That's the, the company that manages uh, the school's likeness to make sure, hey, we're not violating any NCAA rules. And I get that and I understand that. And we put, our, we put ourselves in that position. But at the same time, you, you, have, to, you have to, and I don't want to say evolve, you, you adapt. You man. have to adapt. You have to adapt because... Like I said, the experience that I saw these young men having blew my mind. 93,000, right? 93,000. Oh, listen. And then it was at one point in time in the game, they just turned off all the lights in the stadium. And then they put on these red LED, LED lights. And it, oh, okay. Let me stop. Let me stop, man. I forgot. Don like till I die. Let me stop. <laughs> <sighs> That's crazy. I had bro. a great time, though. But, but like you awesome. said, I was all you'd out. Champ asked me. They asked me, yo, put on, you know, because he... He did a little merch deal with the, the student store. So he had, you know, a Georgia with a two, four ba or number four Bailey on the back. Hey, man, put this on. I was like, nah, I can't do that, player. Taking it too far now. Yeah, that's a little too much. Too that's a little too now. much. But that's really cool. Did, did Champ say that it was like that when he was there, too? Was it like a similar vibe, or did he say that this was just off the chain? No, it wasn't like that. But what, what he's saying is Kirby understands. What's going to turn the needle. Exactly. He, and he, he he's... He has an old school when it comes to, uh, you know, the X's and O's. Yeah. But now those extra bells and whistles, he understands, like, that's what moves the needle. That's what gets the attention of these younger guys and these younger recruits now. So he's going to use that to his ability to recruit guys. That's crazy, man. That, that, listening to the story about the University of Georgia. And that, that, that stadium's on campus, too, now, right? Oh, the benefits of having a stadium on campus is crazy. It, it, listen, it's... <laughs> It's crazy. First of all, every student is going to the game. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't have to. Bust. And if they're and if they're not, they're partying before it on campus. Yeah, they, yeah. You might you might see them across the street at their fraternity house. You know, passed out in the grass, getting ready for the party after the exactly. game too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. No, I know that's that's one of the things that we've always had an issue with at the University of Miami was obviously the stadium situation and trying to put something maybe a tropical park, but that's a whole other different podcast. So. I want to utilize the fact that I got DJ Williams here. It wasn't all about just to talk about some Kane stuff and, and about his glorious trip over to the University of Georgia watching that unbelievable game that I believe just about every single one of us watched the other weekend. I want to talk about the hot topic right now in the NFL, and that's dealing with Oakland Raider linebacker Vontez Burfecht, number 55. They ended up whooping up on the Colts 31-24 to over the weekend. But in the second quarter, 
he ended up hitting the tight end Jack Doyle after he caught a ball over the middle. But the way that Vontez did it, it looked like he was kind of reverting back to the old Vontez, who has already been suspended 13 times. He's got unbelievable amounts of money in fines. Like, just in the two suspensions that he got for the illegal hits, which were six games worth, he ended up forking over $2.2 million. But as of right now, he's forfeited over $5 million in fines, man. And he's a big mother scruncher to the point where when he was in college and he was at ASU, Dennis Erickson, who coached Ray Lewis, would constantly compare Vontez Burfecht to Ray Lewis, the way that he played football, the way that he hit, his aggression, that kind of thing. So Vontez coming over the top, he's 255 pounds, six foot one, and he tries to basically put his head down and shrink Doyle's height by about four inches by spearing him right in the top of the head. Many people are talking about different things. Many people, Romanowski loved it, said, okay, I can understand if he's going to get fined or maybe get a game suspension. Uh, Richard Sherman said it's bullshit. The suspension's bullshit. The people nowadays are soft. If you don't want to, if you don't want to get hit, stay down on the ground. Don't get back up. Like he ended up getting back up. Where do you sit right now with with Vontez? Because guys like Warren Sapp, and ironically, the pl- uh, the former player John Runyon, the offensive tackle for the Eagles, who used to be known as one of the dirty motherfuckers in the league, is now the president of the league when it comes to making these decisions. And he's the one that ultimately came down on Vontez, suspending him for the rest of the season without pay. That's a lot of money, but again. Due to his past and his history and his resume of doing this type of shit, he's out the rest of the season. Where do you stand on that particular hit? And should he be suspended and possibly even banned for life because of what the endangerment he might be putting on other people? In the I NFL? mean, what you're hearing is the opposite side of the spectrum from the Puritans and the people that are about, you know, the evolution of football. Right. As a Puritan... What I saw was how I was taught how to play. Old school style. Old school style. Yeah. Right? That's, 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 if, if, if I was playing today, well, no. Not, I, not, I don't want to say if I was playing today. If I had a guy in that position while I was still playing, I would have done exactly the same Oh, yeah. Thing. I would that's, expect, that's I would exactly expect how I was thing. taught. Mm-hmm. But what I see his problem being is – you have to evolve with the game. And I know you've been taught how to play one way your whole life. But as the game evolves, you have to evolve. You have to be able to stay on the field. I honestly don't know how he could have hit the guy. The guy literally was getting up off of one knee. Um, you know, Vontae is, you know, around 6'1", 6'2". So... Is it a situation where you let the guy get up and then you go ahead and try to gator roll him down? Um, is it a situation where you just launch yourself like into his knees or thighs, which are kind of already on the ground? Um, nobody's speaking about. Uh, I believe it was number twenty nine. He also got in. There, oh, yeah, in he got in. He got a head. And if head you too. if you look in there, oh, he went head first too. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. I don't think people understand that. It's very difficult to hit or tackle something without putting your head in it. You literally have to turn your head and lead with a shoulder or a forearm or whatever that is. Mind you, even if one of those hit a guy in the head, it's still going to be a penalty. Right. As far as the suspension, 
in the rules today, I see the fine. I see the suspension. Uh, I, I think that they went too far with, um, you know, giving him the whole year. And, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to eliminate these type of plays for multiple reasons. Of course, always they want to keep, you know, all the athletes, meaning the offensive guys on the field because, you know, points sell. But you bring up the whole Shazier situation. That's the type of hit that he did a few years back where he literally launched himself in head first at a guy, mm-hmm. right? Ended up being paralyzed for, you know, numerous months, uh, you know, still doing having difficulty with walking and just, you know, doing normal everyday things. But we signed up for this, right? And the NFL is trying to say it's their job to save us from ourselves. And, you know, they want to bring up, you know, the CTE, all the, the different concussions where those things aren't happening believe it or not, on those big, huge hits that you see that makes sports center, right. that makes everybody go off. Right. That's hap- you know where it's happening. That's happening in the trenches. Mm-hmm. That's happening where you have 330-pound offensive linemen, 340-pound defensive linemen, and literally colliding helmet to helmet. 65, 70 times a game. Like Rams. Mm-hmm. So for me, it seems like an image play. It seems like the NFL is, 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 is trying to portray and, and give off the image that the game is safer. But until you figure out a way to eliminate that, which would be impossible because now you're not playing football, until you figure out a way to eliminate, you know, Mike linebackers and fullbacks meeting in the hole 10 yards away smashing, you're not going to ever really prevent – cognitive damage to football players. Again, any to be honest, anytime I ever got blindsided or just smashed, those type of plays that make people go crazy, nine out of ten times, I didn't even feel it. That's why, that's why they it say. It happens so fast. That's why they say when you get into a car accident, it's better when you don't know that you're getting into a car accident yeah. because you're, you're a little bit more relaxed. It happens so fast. Yeah, you don't tense up. And then it's over. And then you're on the ground, you're looking up. You know, there's been times when trainers came out there was one time where I got knocked out, didn't know. Trainer came out. I tried to stand up. They said, no, wait. I say, why? I'm fine. They say, no, 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 stay down. So I try to get up, boom, fall down. I say, all right, what happened? They said, okay, this is your third time trying to get up. Just relax. No. Yeah. New England. No way. Yeah. Who Col- got you? Colvin. They had that. <laughs> so in Denver, for defense stay, defense is when, you know, it's a uh, – Fourth and short, and the offense decides to punt, but you don't trust it, so you keep your defense out on the field. Mm-hmm. And so our special team coach, he used to give a case of beers if we can deplete somebody on that drill. Because what he wanted the defense to do is to actually rush the punter. Of course. You know, to speed up his make, timing. Yeah, make it a nice whatever, defensive right? play, yeah. And so I picked the guy out. And I forgot in New England, you know, they have those, you know, those outside linebackers that are really DNs. And I picked out 59. Last, I think it was Colvin. And I'm thinking, okay, 220, 235. I'm about to, yeah, I ran into a 270-pound man. I tried to catch him. I had some honor in me. So I didn't want to catch him while he couldn't see me, so I waited for him to turn around. And he saw me at the last second. And, and that flipper under my chin was all she wrote, baby. Yeah. So you, you went to sleep and then tried to get up three times? Yeah. I went to sleep in that game multiple times. But, again, we're talking. 
on TV. The announcers say, wow, DJ, earlier in the game, it, it might have been Madden. Earlier in the game. You were already out? He caught the, uh, the, 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 the bad end of that one, and, and there he goes doing it again. If you go back and look at sorry, if you go back and look at this game, I was unconscious multiple times. <laughs> Finished the game. That's awesome. Finished the game. That's played. awesome, bro. No concussion protocol, no nothing. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. What a story, man. Holy shit. That's great. Against the New England Patriots, too. That's insane. But but just the the end it is it, it's a tough situation because you got guys that are playing the game the way that they were taught. At the same time, at the speed of the game, you're trying to evolve with the new rules. Um, but what blows my mind is the fact that if you look on Ranker and see, like, the dirtiest football players, I'm looking at the top five alone right now of, on Ranker of the dirtiest football players. Perfect is number one. Romanowski's number Romo, two. Yeah. And Dominican Sue is three. Conrad Dobler is the only old-school cat in the top five. He was an offensive lineman for many different teams like the Cardinals and the Saints and all that other stuff. And then Incognito's number five. Known How as is the Mean Joe Green not on there? Bro, when, when his name is Mean Joe Green. I know. That's the craziest <laughs> thing about there, You get a little bit older school when, when you keep going down the line. Like yeah. Tate, I believe, is like six or seven. But you get some old vets that are in there but in see, that list. But see, okay, after, after listening to that list, I'll go with Incognito. I don't call him dirty. He's just scrappy. Yeah. He's scrappy. He he understands his limitations talent wise, and he 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 realizes he has to play that certain type of way. Of course. Now, when you get into Dominic and Sue, he does dirty things from time to time. He seems like a guy that can't control his temper. You know what I mean? Um, oh, he got an asshole in him. He got yeah. an asshole in him. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. You can tell it's just I'm at the bottom of the pile and just kick somebody. Yeah. It's not premeditated. No. Type of situation. Now. I would put Romo on top of that list. Well, they asked them. They ended up asking. TMZ asked uh, Tony Romo, or not Tony Romo, uh, Romanowski, Bill Romanowski, in his in his den. They asked him to to video his his comments about Vontez Perfect. He yeah. starts off pretty. He's like, he's a nasty mother effer. I love the way mm-hmm. he plays. I did that all the time. I got kicked out of games. This is bullshit that he's getting suspended. But then he goes at the end of it. He's like. It was a little bit of a dirtier hit, but uh, maybe take some money out of his pocket. Yeah. But that was about it. But, I mean, um, I believe ESPN, you know, did a sit-down with him, and they talked about him being the dirtiest player throughout his career. And there's one point where he's talking about he just reached in a pile and just – he said, I just grabbed a finger, and I just snapped it. And as he's sitting there doing the interview, you can tell he's like, damn, that was kind of jacked up. But you also see it in his eyes – that he loved it and he loved oh, hearing that story again. Oh, I bet. He loved telling he that loved story. He loved hearing again. that story again. Because he was referencing a couple different times where like he was he was talking like he was like he was in goddamn Vietnam. Like he was like, it's kill or be killed out there. It's freaking war. <laughs> what are you gonna tell me to like maybe kill that guy but not that guy? Or go a hundred miles an hour like we're getting ready to go to war and then all of a sudden stop? We can't do that. We're not mentally programmed. And I was just sitting there and I'm just like, <laughs> this is like the ultimate warrior meets Sylvester Stallone right now. That's the way I kept like every time he would open his mouth, he reminded me of, of, of the ultimate warrior. It was pretty funny. Um, so plenty of violence going on in the game right now. The one thing that probably bothered me is the fact that he was blowing kisses as he was ejected. That's yeah. the only issue that I had with Vontez when he was getting ejected and he was running off the field in Indy. He was blowing kisses to the fans. But I, I don't think, well... That's like Incognito running off, shooting the middle finger up to everybody after he gets ejected. 
It's like it's almost wrestler antics. You know well, what I but mean? But think about this though. You, you also got to realize those fans are chanting and yelling shit at you. True. Right. No, they're probably giving. So does him, he yeah. has, Does he not have a right to retaliate? To cross or, that to, third to, dimensional to, wall? Exactly. And, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I get it. Those fans have signs at games and shit like that. And to be honest, they love it. Oh, of course. Here's what's crazy is Un- until NFL, somebody climbs until somebody climbs up in the stands. Yeah, and gives the them NFL what they need. hates it because the image that it gives. Right. But the fans are loving it. They're, they're running home. Oh, last week at the game, man, he flipped me the bird. Did yeah. you, you know this and that? Interaction. Screw me. Yeah. yeah. It's bringing the fans closer to the yeah. game. Yeah. Broke the wall down a little bit. Yeah. I, I know it. I know it. But I'm just. I just don't think that uh, that helped him out in any way by giggling and laughing and blowing kisses as he's running. It's off really is is his track record. You know, the guy's been 100%. suspended or fined at least fourteen times in all for basically you know the same incidents. And again, I understand why they suspended him because he's like he's not going to learn his lesson. Right. I think that's what it was because. He, he said he was cleaning up his act when he went over to Oakland this year. He said he was going to be a different guy. They named him the team captain. Um, Chucky had nothing but great things to say about him, how he's kind of changed a little bit. He's not trying to fight in practice. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of reverted back to what they see was but I don't, the true listen, colors I don't of get him. It. It's like I'm in the middle of the field. I'm sitting there. I'm getting my read. Ball gets thrown to the right. I turn. I break. I'm trying to go and destroy everything that's in that area. Oh, he's trying to tear somebody's but, goddamn head off. But that's what I'm off. saying, right? Oh, yeah. And honestly, when you get in situations where the the ball carry has the ball and it's about to be three to four guys about to hit him, you don't go in there with great form, flat back, chin up, shoulder to the side, head on the ball. You literally turn yourself into a torpedo. You cringe and you get ready for contact mm-hmm. because you're going to hit him. Somebody's going to hit you. Yep. Somebody's going to hit that guy. So you really just tighten yourself up. And you go in there as a missile. And that's what I saw. One of the other topics that I really wanted to get into with you, and it kind of pertained to your company that you have, uh, Player Culture, uh, with, with Champ and Ed Reed and, and, and Von Miller and a few other guys. But mainly it's pertaining to collegiate players finally getting compensated. And you I saw it, it started in your home state of California. They're the first ones to try to pass the bill. And, uh, and I see that it's caught on down here in Florida as well. And I remember having a conversation with Blake James, athletic director, a couple years back when this whole thing started about players getting compensated for their likeness or scholarship, that type of thing. And Blake was fully understanding and, and ultimately was like, look, it cost us, the athletic department, because a lot of people don't understand this, that the University of Miami, be it a, a private institution, they have to actually pay the university the cost of tuition, room and board, books, all that other stuff. So it costs the athletic department $74,000 for each kid to get put through a year at the University of Miami. Back when we played, it was like 35, 36. Now it's up into the mid-70s. So what Blake was telling me a couple years back was they were looking into it when they were meeting with the NC2A about this, of just compensating players the value of their scholarship and allowing them to figure out what they wanted to do with that money in terms of they needed to become finance majors for the most no. part. And by the way, you're giving a kid, especially from the hood, no. 70 Gs, don't like and it. he don't have a pot to piss in prior to that, Don't like he's going to be borrowing year three in year one, which is, which is going to be a recipe for disaster. But, but finally, it seems like out in California, they're trying to get guys paid for their likeness, the amount of money, because I got into this the other day with – with the historic black college. Um, I got into this with, with a lot of players carrying the weight of universities. 
guys like Lamar Jackson going to Louisville, other players like like uh, the Bears running back right now that that's a Pro Bowl running back who came from basically nothing and was at a school that like no other school. Montgomery, schools. I believe is. Uh, oh, but more. What's his last name? More Co- 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 Cohen. Cohen. Oh, you are talking about Cohen? Yeah, yeah. Cohen. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't have many offers coming out of college as well. I mean, uh, out of out of high school as well. I think he had like a local offer at like Georgia State Southern or something along those lines, and and he's back there every single year, but. But the amount of money that the NC2A, in particular the universities themselves, that make off of these guys with their jerseys, with their abilities to, 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 to move the needle economically in their whole community, it just didn't seem fair, especially the fact that you can go to the, the school bookstore and buy a T-shirt for $35, and it'll have the guy's number on it but not his name or something along those lines. It's, 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 it just blows well, my mind. Well, the NCAA has actually changed that. <laughs> Uh, and I know because trust me, I tried to. You got to be on your P's and Q's yeah, about it. With yeah. Dime Life. Um, so now, basically, all shirts and jerseys can only have the number one mm-hmm. or the year. But because a lot of these schools also have NFL PA licensed, they can go ahead and do a Frank Gore. They can do guys that have left. Got it. They could remake the jerseys. And basically, and those players are being paid through that little check that we get through the NFL right. PA. But that measly 10 grand that yeah, we got? It's whack. Yeah. Whack. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm excited. Um, and this isn't the first time this has been brought up, but I think the reason that, you know, this is getting so much attention this time is because they did something a little different. A few times that they brought up paying players, the NCAA was like, it's cool. You guys can do that. But if a player receives money, then he's ineligible. Right. This time, the state of California is saying, payers can get paid, and you guys can't suspend them. So now, I think that's the the. I think that's why it's gonna happen this time. Because before, the state would just come in and be like, "Hey, I think players should get paid," and then they were stepping out of it. Is it is it getting paid through businesses or sales of their likeness? Or is this like we're talking like booster money, like coming in? And, you know and what? Paying. I honestly, I don't, I don't know the way of the payment, but here's how I believe that it should happen. I believe that there should be, even though, you know, players' likeness or worth is more than the next guy, the starting quarterback versus, you know, the third string old lineman. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's really buying his jerseys or mm-hmm. things like that, but he's still a part of the team and is helping his team you know, become winning championships and all those other reasons why people spend money. Here's what I would do. I think that each player should have a trust set up in their name. They should be made the beneficiary of the trust. I believe there should be a set number for conferences, right? Because I don't believe... That uh, the Big East is going to yield as much as SEC, correct? Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. I should believe there should be a set number for conferences. Mm-hmm. I believe the same amount of money should be given to the starting quarterback and then the third string O lineman. And I say, hey, let's let's just say we use fifty thousand a year. <sighs> I say you give the kids fifty thousand a year. If they graduate, there's a bonus. The kids cannot use the money while in college unless certain circumstances demanded 
perfect example was when I was in uh, junior high, junior high, PE coach, broke my arm. School just didn't handle the situation right. I sued the school. I won like 50,000, 60,000, right? My mom basically was a beneficiary, so she was in control of the money, but because I was under 18, the money couldn't be used, but I could use the money for anything school-related or health-related. So I say pay the players, because I, I say pay the players, but I don't think that, you know, a uh, 18-year-old kid should be walking around South Beach with $50,000 in his pocket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if, if we're looking out the best interests of the kid, what we ideally would want is, hey, this kid graduates in four years, the NFL doesn't work out, he doesn't jump into a job right away, hey, he has a $150,000 cushion, you know, to get him going. And the reason you say, well, why, why does he deserve a cushion to be honest, and I found this out when I retired and I went into the try to go into the work field, is this whole my whole life I've been a pro at football. Mm-hmm. I was so far behind in life. Of course. So far behind in life. And now I'm going after jobs and opportunities where, you know, that kid that has been doing internships and doing all these things, which t- his time and his schedule allows him, he's now the pro. So it's not real fair competition when it's Correct. going after the job in the Correct. marketplace. Because you're not allowed to have, remember, we weren't allowed to have jobs. Exactly. You can do Correct. these little internships and whatever, but again, if the amount of time that you're putting into that starts to affect football, hey, hey, no, mm-hmm. come back over here. Mm-hmm. But I really think that the real situation is, is, you know, you open that can of worms because I honestly also believe that healthcare should be a part of it. Yeah, that should be massively, massively. You, 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 you got a college running back included. that goes through four years, gets all busted up, doesn't make the league. 27, them knees is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Them hips is still going to hurt. 32, he's going to need a replacement. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think the reason why they've been so hesitant is we would almost literally have to model the NFL. And let's just take out the let's just let's just let's just throw out amateurism because it's not what it is, right? Just be honest, it's not amateurism. These guys are, I don't call them professionals or what is this a lower league? If the what? NFL is a billion dollar business, we're a million dollar business. Exactly, we're small business. Exactly, but we're business. They have enough money to pay these kids. Yep, there's no doubt. And again, like I said. Don't just give them 50000 and let them hit South Beach. But, hey, if the mom has bills and money needs to get sent back home, I believe that out of that 50000 again, it still should only be a, uh, a slotted amount. Right. Because at the end of the day is we want to help these kids in their future. Correct. So, you know, we, we wouldn't want a situation where a kid, you know, earns $200,000 while in college but gives it all back home to, you know, friends and family for whatever reason. Now he's graduated no NFL, uh, you know, no job, and now he's broke. The one thing that I heard Tim Tebow talk about, and I, I hate to say that I agreed with him, but I chose the University of Miami, and I went to this school because I love the school. Once you start getting involved in paying players and who's going to have the biggest payday and who's going to be able to be in the biggest marketplace and market share, and the kid that was going to go to Miami now has the ability to go to Alabama, or, for instance, a kid that was going to go to Pittsburgh now has the ability to go to UCLA where he's going to be rubbing elbows with Hollywood. It's tough. It's tough. And Tim but, says that it's going to take already, up the, the love and the passion out of It's already happening, uni- though. It already, that, that's what my point it's is. It's already happening. That's exactly we're just not what talking my point about is. It. It's that's already exactly happening. 
you know, you got kids that are <laughs> that are going to these schools and they're they're viewed as superstars. You got guys at SC, UCLA that are at the hypest parties. You know, going to Jamie Foxx's pool parties and things like that. You're acting like it's not happening. So whether the school backs it or not, that is still an opportunity for those kids, and that's still swaying kids to go to certain places. It's just like coming to the University of Miami. There's not a kid on, on, our, on our roster that if he wanted to, couldn't get in the club lift. Well, I don't know. They're two and two. It's, it's different. I'm, I'm, he's gonna be waiting. Yeah. He, he might be waiting. Yeah, he might. He, he might, might be waiting. Wait. <laughs> below, <laughs> below. Hey, I know below. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he might be waiting. He might. He wait might a be waiting. Bit. But again, that's already happening. It's, I like. I like the fact that you brought that up because I feel like the passion for football and the passion for at, at the university level, anyway has probably gone down. If we were looking at a team of 50 guys, of our team of 50 guys, 40 of the 50 didn't give a shit about anything else in the world other than playing football for the University of Miami. That's all we wanted to do. And we always always, always wanted to be oh, around each back other. Then. Back then. Okay, yeah, yeah. If you, if you assemble 50 guys right now for the University of Miami roster, my guess is five to 10. And I probably agree. three of those are walk-ons. I agree. Well, I mean, like you saw a little, little man that got listen. his touchdown, the little little kid that got his touchdown, the yeah. white dude, the running back, a couple weeks back, uh-huh. finally got his first touchdown. It's his fourth year here. I, I can't remember what his number was, um, and I'm sorry for for doing that to him, but but he loved the University of Miami. Yes. I seen him at practice every day. Manny Diaz stopping practice, making guys do up downs. He's the first one up and down on the ground, up and down on the ground. Mm-hmm. He's the first one crossing the line all Raccoons. the time. And I was like, walk on kid. Yeah. Wants to be here. Doesn't 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 need to be here. Doesn't have to be here. Wants to be here. You see these guys sporadically now. Before, we were, you couldn't find anybody else that didn't want to be. But here. but but again, that's why I say let's just drop the title amateurism because it's not. These kids are coming or choosing colleges. It's business moves. Yeah. Interview, ultimately, think, think about this. Why? Why out of nowhere? West Virginia got good. Louisville got good. All these these smaller schools got good because kids that were coming from Florida was like, yo, I can go to UM, sit two years behind Santana, and then they got Big Dre, and then my junior years when I'll get to shine, or I can go up to West Virginia, up the road, jump in, year one, two, three, boom, and I'm out of there. So, again, this is already the mindset of the guys, and – it's going to continue to go that way. So you're only going to ever have a handful of guys that grew up watching, loving, you know, it's a tradition. I, I, it's this school or nothing else. That's only a handful. Now, these are all business decisions. It's about how quick can I get in, how quick can I get out, and how much money I can make. That's, that's crazy, that's man. That's really what it is. That's crazy. But you can't be mad at it, though. No, I know. I, I, I'm... But I, I am. mean, I look but at I it. Am. I look at it as like we were a little green. We were a little green. I think we were innocent. We were. I think. I think we were innocent. And what happened? They took advantage of us. Yeah, but we had a good we fucking had a time. Great time. We had a great time. But we were man. winning, and we had a great time. I asked. I asked Ed Reed the same shit. I ask everybody the same shit all the time. Would you give it all back? All the money that you have, the NFL money to go back and do college again. Feel the Whoa. way you felt, do Whoa. the way you Whoa. do what you did, have the time that you had. 
would you give it all back to go back and play again? All right, I got to ask a question on your question. After I finish playing, what happens? Do I still have a shot to go? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. You, oh, you, yeah. Could, you could do it all over again. Oh, yes. You could do it all over yeah, again. any day. Any day. But you would give it all Hands back down. to right now. Right now. Not, see, not many people, you ask them. With the risk of being injured and all that? No, like, like just, just give it an all back to go do it again. Oh, yeah. What? Like, like most people never want to go back and do anything over again. Like I that. jump in that time sheeting every five years. <laughs> and, have, and, and on top of that, <laughs> I'll even give you the knowledge. I'll even give you the knowledge that you have now. When it comes to everything else in the world, too. Oh, my God. Jumping that time machine every five years. I change positions. All type of stuff would yeah, be man. happening. I, um, I, uh, I always find myself kind of looking back and being like, God But it's damn. not. It's not amateurism. No. Let's just and, – and let, let's be it's, prepared. It's business. It's let's business. Let's be prepared that once we stop calling it that, that everything as we know it changes and follows. Hmm? The love, the passion, why kids go to college, why they choose them. Right now – Goddamn millennials, man. Bro, these freaking millennials, listen. man. They, they, they go to work at 10 o'clock in the afternoon. They, they stay at the office until 7 30, 8 o'clock at night, man. This, this new generation, they don't, they don't even want goddamn traffic to be difficult. That's, they, <laughs> that's how much they're afraid of adversity. They don't want any adversity. They don't even want to sit in traffic anymore, man. Let me avoid traffic and go to work late and stay late. Listen, it's and all, call that listen, smarter and being an all, efficient worker. It's already happening. These kids are going to these schools. They're getting paid. Their family's getting taken care of. Yeah, how the how the how does Tua's whole goddamn family come from Hawaii and all have jobs in goddamn Alabama? Nice job. Somebody good on them books. Somebody with them books. Somebody. How do you how do you uproot a whole family tree and all of them living well? Listen, somebody good on them books, man. Long as it all clears. Shout out to Alabama. I don't want to hate. <laughs> Anywho, it's DJ Williams, man. I was so glad to have him in here today, especially on the topic of Vontez. And again, the likeness thing, being it that it started in his home state right now with the first possible bill to be passed to do so. And it seems like DJ is one of those guys that's just all about getting paid as a, as, as a collegiate athlete. So that's pretty cool as well to hear about. I like you guys to stay tuned. Make sure you tune in for the next one. Always dropping on Thursdays every week. It's the Out the Huddle podcast. Good luck to the Canes this weekend against the Hokies. You know we'll be dominating. I got my two ticks because they are for free. I put my name in during the week. Got them. Anywho, Romberg checking out DJ Williams. Thank you so much. It's Out the Huddle.